Welcome to the Nip Tuck Coach Radio, your cosmetic surgery connection. Join cosmetic surgery Nip Tuck Coach, beauty expert, and author of Safety First, a consumer guide to cosmetic surgery, Michelle Garber, your host of the Nip Tuck Radio Show. Michelle's goal is to empower listeners and help them make safe cosmetic surgery procedure choices. This fun and lively show explores the world of beauty and cosmetic surgery and features expert guests on a variety of topics. No hype. Your host, Michelle Garber, is here today to help you navigate the confusing world of cosmetic surgery. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle Garber, your host, and welcome to another episode of Nip Tuck Talk Radio. If you don't know me, I'm founder of Nip Tuck Coach, an independent cosmetic procedure consultancy, and I'm a patient advocate. My goal is to help you navigate the confusing world of cosmetic procedures by keeping you safe and well-informed so that not only do you get a great result, but you get the best result. And to create more consumer awareness for safety and beauty, I've written a comprehensive guide called Safety First, the 10 Golden Rules for Safe Cosmetic Surgery, which you can download for free at my website, which is www.niptuckcoach.com. So there's a growing trend for consumers for non-invasive procedures, such as dermal fillers to lift plump, and turn back the clock. And there are many different types of fillers on the market, and I've talked about them on my show before. Bovine collagen was the first filler to be approved in the U.S. in 1981, which is no longer used, and the filler market has greatly improved and it's expanded. And there are many different categories of fillers, ranging from temporary hyaluronic fillers to fillers such as radius, artifil, and sculpture, which are longer-lasting, and semi-permanent fillers, which are difficult to remove, and a new category of longer-lasting fillers, such as Duvederm Voluma, which has recently been FDA-approved. Now, along with the popularity of fillers and the introduction of longer-lasting fillers, there's been an increase in non-core specialty doctors injecting them. We're seeing more hypersensitivity reactions and are learning more about the causes and treatments of these reactions associated with soft-tissue fillers. And there's a new concept that's being considered by the medical community that some of these reactions from hyaluronic fillers are caused by biofilms. And I think this is really important to understand what is a biofilm reaction, how can it be avoided, and how do we treat it? And with me today is Dr. Vic Narakar, a board-certified dermatologist and clinical founder of Bay Area Laser Institute in San Francisco. Dr. Narakar is fellowship-trained in laser, cosmetic, and Mohs surgery. In 2000, he was invited to join the premier cosmetic dermatology practice of Dr. Kathy Fields in San Francisco and now has a successful practice with an international clientele limited entirely to cosmetic dermatology. He's a pioneer of several cosmetic procedures used worldwide, including being the original investigator and principal investigator for several groundbreaking clinical trials for injectable fillers, such as Juvederm Voluma. He's the author of over 200 publications and book chapters, 
He lectures worldwide on injectables and energy-based devices and is co-founder of, of Cosmetic Boot Camp. Selected as one of the best doctors in America, he's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Business 2.0, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, Allure, Vogue, Pre Prevention, Shape, Ladies Home Journal. His practice is located in the heart of San Francisco and he has an international following and has achieved diamond status with Allegan for Botox and fillers and black diamond status for Fraxel and Thermage. And I'm delighted to have you here, Dr. Narakar, to talk with me this morning. Hi. Hi, and thank you very much uh, to have me on your show. Let's define for our audience the different types of categories of fillers and their longevity as we currently understand it. All right, so fillers can be divided into what are called biodegradable or semi-permanent fillers and permanent fillers. So those are essentially the two. In other words, once, uh, and within the, the biodegradable, semi-permanent fillers, those that are reversible and those that naturally have to degrade. And then, of course, there's the permanent fillers. At this point, uh, in the U.S. with the FDA approvals, uh, there are two categories of what are called um, degradable fillers, which, which are non-permanent. Um, the, the first category are the hyaluronic acid fillers, and typically those include uh, Juvederm, Restylane, Perlane, Juvederm Voluma, uh, Prevel Silk. And then we have also in uh, the other category of fillers that are not permanent but degrade over time, calcium hydroxyapatite, which is known as radius, and then Sculptra, which is utilizes your own body to stimulate collagen. So these are all fillers that over time will go away. The second category of fillers that are approved by the FDA is a permanent filler, and the only permanent filler that is approved by the FDA is called Artifil, and Artifil uses a mesh of bovine collagen along with uh, with a polymethyl macrolamate, which is a which is what makes it uh, permanent. These little beads. <clears throat> now, you asked a question of duration, and this is very very controversial. Of course, a permanent filler is in theory permanent. That means once it's there, it will be there forever. And the only permanent filler that we have is Artifil. With the other fillers, which are non-permanent, or if you want to call them semi-permanent or biodegradable, that includes uh, all the hyalurons we talked about, Radius and Sculptra. If you look at the actual indication by the FDA, which is the formal clinical trials that have examined the duration of these fillers, they will be different than what we may actually see in practice. So in the clinical trials, the approved duration is as follows. The longest lasting filler that has approval, uh, FDA approval is the two-year duration for Juvederm Voluma. Then you're following that with Sculptra with a series of injections may last up to two years. Then you've got Juvederm or Ultra and Ultra Plus, which has a one-year duration. And then you have six-month duration fillers, which include Restylane, Perlane, recently approved Restylane Silk, and Radius. So it's interesting that there's a lot of confusion about what the actual duration is. These are the actual formal clinical trials, which have uh, truly shown what the duration is by what the FDA defines. Now, we find that the duration of fillers may vary based on where you put them, 
also different people metabolize fillers differently. So we give a range for hyaluronic fillers, which is primarily what I use, can last anywhere between six months to two years or possibly longer. The other interesting thing is with hyaluronic fillers, when you inject them repetitively, for example, someone comes in, they've had the filler, then they, they're due for their filler injection again. With repetitive injections, the duration is longer and longer. And we know now why that is, because a scaffold is built. You're almost sort of producing your own collagen over time with repetitive injection of these hyalurons. And we think that the fibroblast may be stretched, and as a result, that scaffolding continues. So when we see patients back, we'll often be, they'll often be scheduled for their filler, and we'll go, you know, you're not ready because you still have the filler. And this is unique to the filler category called the hyaluronic acid-based fillers. I recently read a, um, an article, I think it was written by um, Dr. Moran mm-hmm. in facial plastic surgery, and they did report that they were seeing some of the hyaluronic fillers up to 36 months Mm-hmm. and even radius and sculpture for up to five years. So there seems to be um, an unknown factor here, probably because we're still in the um, newness, so to speak, of the world of fillers. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. Um, and I I have never seen... Um, uh, radius or sculpture last five years in any clinical experience. We have seen that the hyaluronic fillers can, with repetitive injections and depending on where they're put, can last longer than two two years. We know for, for a fact that Voluma can certainly last at least two years, if not longer. But uh, some of the other fillers, the longest duration I've usually seen is about uh, two two years at the maximum. Okay. And so what exactly is hypersensitivity reaction to filler? Okay. I want to clear some of this up because there's a difference between hypersensitivity and then possibly an infection or immune deficiency. So this is very, very, this is a great question, okay? So the one great thing about all the fillers that are approved by the FDA for cosmetic indications, they have a very high safety profile. That's because they've been studied in very rigorous, multi-center clinical trials. So the first thing patients should realize is that reactions are exceedingly rare. Um, and usually, uh, as I've also often said, it's, it's, it's not necessarily from the filler, but who is injecting the filler and how it's being injected the the technique, the location. So overall, all of the approved FDA fillers are exceedingly safe. So now, the true hypersensitivity, meaning is a true allergic reaction to fillers, is exceedingly rare, especially to the workhorse fillers, which are the hyaluronic acid-based fillers like Juvederm, Restylane, Perlane, Voluma, Prevail Silk. Uh, it's almost unheard of. It's it's exceedingly rare. And one of the things is that sometimes pe- people may develop not a, even a reaction to the, the filler, but maybe the lidocaine uh, component of the filler. So that's something to be aware of. Um, if that happens, just like any other allergy, you, you intervene appropriately uh, to avoid that allergic reaction. <clears throat> now, other types of reactivity, which are also very rare, are could be a reflection of 
fillers when they're put in in the in deeper areas or longer acting fillers, which we really should think of more as an implant, and those may create in addition to a hypersensitivity reaction, something of an inflammatory process that could develop in certain types of fillers as what we call granulomas or nodules. Uh, this is something that we see with fillers like Sculptra or Radies, when it's actually the material that may form that reaction. And then there is the phenomenon that uh, that is becoming more and more evident as more of these fillers become used called biofilm. Now, biofilm is, it, you know, people ask, what exactly is biofilm? It's a very complex term, and we're really not sure um, <clears throat> what the actual mechanism of uh developing a biofilm is, but it definitely is an inflammatory process that can sometimes also get um, secondarily infected. We, again, it's an, it's, they're exceedingly rare with these, the fillers that we have, but they can happen. So how does a biofilm um, occur? And what do you do? I think we're going to talk about management of some of these things uh, as that. So biofilms are essentially like a complex collection of microorganisms that excrete something called a matrix. It's like an adhesive matrix. It's, a, it's like a blob, if you would. And initially when they come on, uh, if you catch them early, they're easier to treat because they're not encapsulated. Um, but as they become more and more sticky, if you would, the matrix that the bacteria are proliferating in almost creates like a wall, a cellular protection, and then they can communicate through different biochemical signals, and that's the problem. So a lot of times biofilms can be very dormant. You wouldn't even know that they're there, but if there is an active infection, and that could be a trauma, it could be dental work, it could be other factors, these can then reactivate the biofilm. Um, what's very interesting is the actual bacterial activity of biofilm is very low, but the biofilm itself can stimulate what's called a local infection. It could also induce a more severe inflammatory response as well as a granulomatous uh, response. So um, it can happen with virtually any filler, but it is more common with more durable fillers and fillers that are put in in deeper locations. So I want to step back a moment, though, and mm -hmm. and and um, talk about the hypersensitivity reaction mm -hmm. and what exactly that means, because it it, it seems like that all of this hypersensitivity and biofilms and whether it's a granuloma or infection has been poorly understood by the medical community and then also by consumers because you go on real self and there's all kinds of crazy talk about infections and I have this and I have that and Restylane caused this and Juvederm caused this and, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. And I and I think I I, w I would really like to clear up some of that misinformation so that there's a sense of um, like we know these fillers are safe and we know this is rare um, mm -hmm. and but what what is the difference when you say so there's an is it an infection is a biofilm an infection or is it a hypersensitivity to 
a reaction of, of the filler. And how do you discern what's a hypersensitivity and what's actually more than that and someone should be more concerned than just a hypersensitivity? So um, the, this, uh, it's a very good question that has a very complex answer. So in the simplest sense, a biofilm is not just a pure infection, and it's not unique to any one product. It's more of an inflammatory response to fillers that are put in deeper and fillers that have more durability. So longer-lasting fillers, of course, are everything that we want, but the more durable the filler is, the more likely it is to induce an inflammatory response because they're put in deeper. And why is that? And that's because there's more substrate, there's more chance of the body to think of it more as an implant and react to it as opposed to as a more superficial substrate, which may be more compatible with the body. And so we, it's poorly understood, but we do know that if you are putting the filler in an area where there might be already a little bit of an inflammatory and infectious process going on, for example, if somebody has had recent dental work, that dental work is seeding some bacteria in the oral cavity, which can sometimes then traverse up to where the filler is put in, and that can induce that filler to create a biofilm. So it's placement and durability. Very rarely, if you put a superficial filler, for example, in a fine line filler is not going to give you a biofilm because it's placed in very, very superficially. It doesn't have that that environment to create the biofilm. So when these fillers are used more as implants, and this is this is true even in, in implants, biofilms can occur with, with device implants, medical implants. It's put in deeper. It has more time to hang out there for the body to create that inflammatory response. Unfortunately, on the internet sites, there's a lot of confusion, and people get um, you know, unnecessarily alarmed. You know what they say, a little knowledge is dangerous. So yes. <laughs> um, the best thing to do is not to listen to these sites and actually do real research on what a biofilm is. Number one, the incidence is extremely rare. As I said, the fillers that are FDA approved in the U.S. had to undergo very rigorous clinical trials for safety, efficacy, as well as, you know, reactions like this. So um, the the thing to remember Remember is uh, taking a very good patient history to make sure they haven't had any recent trauma to the area that the filler is injected. They haven't had recent dental work. There's no open sores where the filler may be injected. They're not ill when you do them. And these are these are all questions that, of course, when you go to see a board-certified dermatologist, for example, so the first thing we do is take a very thorough medical history. Um, if you are the injector, you know exactly where to inject. The problem is that these fillers are now being used everywhere and the regulation is so limited that you can get them in a mall or in a non-core or by non-physician injectors with very little supervision. That's why we may be seeing more and more an incidence as these fillers get used by people who may not be adequately trained, not only in the, in the technical aspects, but in the judgment and assessment of using these fillers. Are you personally in your practice, have you seen a biofilm reaction? 
The answer is yes. Now, interestingly, a few uh, about a year ago, this filler was being marketed. It was not approved by the FDA for cosmetic indication, but it was being marketed by a company. It was an, an, a nasal splint implant called Expressions. And oh, yes, I've heard about the, that. Yeah, and actually the FDA actually banned it because there were some horrendous complications from it. And we saw a few cases that were referred to us by uh, some uh, places where this this non-FDA-approved filler was was being used as a cosmetic filler, and similarly, uh, when we see we've seen international patients, they've gone elsewhere, and we don't know what the filler is being. You know, people have put medical grade materials that are not indicated for cosmetic use or non-medical silicone or mineral oil. You know, you can imagine things that people get filled oh. with. And those are the kinds of things that we see biofilms for. And unfortunately, they get lumped into the category where you can occasionally see this issue with an approved FDA filler. So realize a lot of these can happen with things that are not approved by the FDA and by are being done by non-trained or non-board certified physicians. Now, when I've read about biofilms and I've been doing some research on it, mm -hmm. the reaction is delayed. Yes. It doesn't seem to be a reaction that you get right away from the filler. It is a delayed reaction. Why is that? Well, that's what I was trying to explain, the difference between, say, a true allergic reaction, which you'll see you know, in a fairly rapid period of time as opposed to biofilm. That The reason is the biofilm needs like an environment to kind of, grow, essentially. It's, it, remember, it sort of stays inert for a while. The implant may remain inert, but if there's dental work or trauma or something where there's a little bit of this uh, inflammatory response that can be evoked, that can take weeks to even a month or longer until it actually shows up clinically. And that's just the nature of how long an inflammatory process can take. And remember, these bacteria are not the type of horrendous bacteria that these are normal. A lot of times you'll see it and you'll culture things that are part of the normal flora of the human skin, the oral cavity, it's when you start getting unusual bacteria that infiltrate that it becomes even harder to treat. So well, the, one of the reasons why I like using fillers, primar I primarily use hyaluronic acid-based fillers, is what is biofilm? It's actually a reaction to the implant. So if you can take the implant out, the, the the inflammation will no longer have the ability to inflame because you've taken it out. So fillers that are that are hyaluronic acid based fillers are easier to treat than non hyaluronic acid based fillers biofilms because you can erase fillers like Voluma, Juvederm, Restylane, Perlane, Prevel, whereas other fillers you just have to ride it out or you have to actually excise the nodules that the fillers are in. Do you think there's a greater risk of complications from Voluma, let's say, um, than regular Juvederm because of the risk of biofilm? See, this is the misconception that Voluma is any different. Voluma is placed deeper, and it's still a hyaluronic acid-based filler. <clears throat> so, it's again, it's not the filler, but the, the where, how you put it, and if there is an environment that's promoting the uh, biofilm. Because if you put any filler deep, you can have biofilm. 
but both Voluma and Juvederm, remember, Voluma is just an extension of the Juvederm family of products. Right. It's just formulated in a different fashion. All of those fillers, Voluma, Perlane, Restylane, Juvederm, the HA fillers, if you put them deep and if you're not putting them in a clean, for example, you know, if the, the, the face needs to be scrubbed clean, we scrub in two or three times with Hibiclens, we change gloves, we change needles, keep it a very clean environment. So when you're putting these fillers deep, if you don't have that, any filler that's put in deep can induce that. The nice thing about Voluma, Ultra Juvederm, Restylane, Perlane is even if you put them deep and something happens, you can take your hyaluronidase and make that filler go away so it doesn't have a chance to have a biofilm that's much harder to treat. Whereas other fillers that don't have a magic eraser, unfortunately, you have to manage the biofilm with that, and you just hope that that filler is degrading over time. And that's part of the reason why I don't use permanent fillers, because permanent fillers can light up years later, you know? And we see we saw that with silicone, all the the uh, unfortunate complications of silicone, which which can occur years and years later after the injection. And what about the gauge of the needle? Does that have an effect in terms of the um, safety? Not at all. Of, uh, of the biofilm. Not at all. Creating a biofilm. No, it, the, the what has. The highest implication is the environment that you're injecting. So if it's not a clean field, if the patient has an underlying infection, if they've had recent dental work, these are all things to avoid doing fillers. So what I'm hearing then is it's really important when you're thinking about any type of filler that mm-hmm. you will A, you go to a board certified dermatologist, a plastic surgeon that that has a core in the specialty that you're going to, but that also these questions are asked. I mean, I've been getting fillers since before they were FDA approved. Mm-hmm. And and I can basically say probably ninety percent of the time I was never asked any medical history. Mm-hmm. Um and also, in terms of really scrubbing my face, you know, it was just a little bit alcohol wipe and then the injection. So it 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 I I really see like there's there's a um, a new new thinking and new precautions because as I said in the beginning, this is something that's beginning. It's been poorly understood before. And because certain reactions are, you are starting to see them, and fillers hasn't been around for, I mean, it's been around since the the late 90s and 80s with um, collagen, but it's Mm -hmm. still evolving. And so what I'm hearing is precautions is really important to understand who you're going to, who the injector is, but also that the medical community really Mm -hmm. needs to be um, educated on, on, on this. The problem is a lot of these procedures have been, um, the, the, you know, what is it, the cats out of the back are, are just in these spas and, you know, a lot of them call themselves med spas. I, I find that a, a a terrible name. You know, when I go to a spa, I want to be relaxed and, you know, maybe get a facial or a massage. I'm I'm not looking to get an invasive procedure, which really should be in the auspices of a medical practice. And as long as the med spa is in the auspices of a core, specialty practice with a physician on site, you want to make sure that an adequate history is taken, that you do a detailed history and physical, because these are implants. 
every filler is a is an implant. If you think about it, you're putting a material that is not that's a foreign material into the skin. It's an implant. So we need to respect it. The fillers are very, very safe. Like I said, uh, I've always said in certain talks I give, it's not the filler, it's the filler. What do I mean by that? It's who's <laughs> right. doing the filler. And what but it's experience. the person doing the filler. <laughs> yeah, and it's not but just... consumers are very laxed about, about getting fillers today. You know, it, it's don't think it's it's any big deal anymore because... Lots of people are getting them, and lots of different places, as you say, are have the ability to give them, like med spas and mm-hmm. and non-core specialty doctors. And so, I think that it is really important, as you said, that it, it's it's like it, you're putting something in your body that your body's not used to having. Exactly, and, and I always say, what is the most difficult part of a cosmetic procedure? It's the consultation, you the patient assessment. You know what is the patient? You you do the first thing is gauging the uh, history and physical, and then also the artistic skill of what is necessary. The technical skill is just one component of giving great outcomes, because it is medicine. It's aesthetic medicine, but it's medicine. We're practicing medicine, so we need to abide by the same principles. Number one, do no harm. And number two, positive, you know, give the best outcomes. And that requires a very thorough history, a, thor- a thorough physical examination, a thorough assessment, a knowledge of the anatomy. So you know where you're putting the filler. You know what potential danger zones there are to avoid those. And you know what to do if something goes wrong. And that should that is best done by a board certified core specialty physician like a dermatologist, plastic surgeon, or core aesthetic specialist. So if you do have um a reaction to fillers mm-hmm. and then what what's the treatment and what are the symptoms? I don't want to alarm anyone out there, but I I just think that people need to know. Yeah. So if you, I always say, you know, we have a hotline all the time where it was available by email or by phone. Um, common things to expect. These are not adverse effects, but you may get a bruise. You may get some swelling. You may feel a few lumps. These are all normal reactions to a filler. They're, they shouldn't be alarming. But if you see an intense amount of pain at injection, these are very usually very comfortable procedures. If you see, if you feel tenderness, you know, excruciating amount of tenderness at where the fillers were injected, that's a warning sign. If you see something that's red, hot, or swollen, that's a warning sign. If you see blanching, you know, the skin suddenly turning white where the filler was injected that's a warning sign. So there's what we call immediate warning signs and delayed warning signs. Immediate usually are the response, the tissue response, how the skin looks if a a filler is injected. Delayed ones are things like we talked about, the tenderness, the redness, the hotness, or, you know, just, and patients are pretty savvy about that. Uh, And again, I want to emphasize that fillers are exceedingly safe They have been studied, the ones that are approved by the FDA with rigorous clinical trials. It's just that if they're used in a cavalier fashion without proper history and physical, without proper knowledge of the anatomy, without proper knowing what to do if something does go awry, that's when they can become a problem. Now, going back to 
the the biofilms. Mm-hmm. What's your advice in terms of dental cleaning, dental work, pre filler and post filler? So my advice is number one, uh, if you have any dental work, uh, not to do filler for at least two to three weeks. I even say up to a month for things that are more than just dental cleaning. For cleaning, I wait at least two weeks. For more aggressive dental work, three to four weeks. And the same thing after filler, avoid dental work for at least a month um, to, so that there's no chance in uh, seeding the bacteria. Um, similarly, if there's other infections, if there's anything active going on, you know, you obviously don't want to do filler. So those are things to avoid um, biofilm. So even if you've got a bacterial infection of, of any sort? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't do it. I've turned so many people away. Um, you know, I've, I'm so careful that even if someone's giving me flu-like symptoms, I won't do their filler because what if they have an underlying bacterial infection coming on? This is basic medicine. You know, you want to do it in a patient that's uh, in good health at the time of the visit, someone who has not had act, uh, an active dental procedure, someone who does not have an active skin infection. I mean, these are basic concepts for optimizing your filler outcomes. Now, do you ever give antibiotics prophylactically? Uh, I don't. To patients? Here's what's scary. You don't want to develop antibiotic resistance, okay? And I know there was a paper recently published that showed that uh, in an animal model it was proper to give them, but the concern I have is that you may develop too much resistance to antibiotics. So I'm very concerned about over-prescribing antibiotics, and it is at this point not the standard of care to give antibiotics at the time of filler. Okay, so you don't do it prophylactically. I do not, and right. If, if, um, if a patient does get antibiotics prophylactically, mm-hmm. is, there, is, is there a possibility that it's going to, um, I'm going to use the word, eat up the filler quicker? Not at all. No, no, not at all. Um, the the biggest concern there is, number one, the antibiotic may not be adequate for a biofilm because, remember, biofilms occur in a much more delayed fashion, and it's things that happen later down the course, and some of it may, the antibiotic may not even get to the active or, uh, organism. And number two, they do not eat up the filler. Okay. And so what then is the treatment for biofilm if you if you don't have a hyaluronic and it can't so be resolved if, if, with hyaluronidase? So the so if it's so let me start with the hyaluronic first. The first thing you do is take the filler out and we use hyaluronidase and then along with that um <coughs> put somebody on a broad spectrum antibiotic and occasionally even have to do what's called an intralesional injection of steroids, uh, cortisone, to reduce the inflammation. If it's not something you can make go away, you you definitely put people on a broad-spectrum antibiotic. You can try to uh, stick a needle in there um, to get the material and aspirate it out. So there is, a, if there's any material that's forming an abscess, you want to drain that abscess. Because remember, if you, if the abscess remains intact, it just becomes a vicious cycle for um, uh, for the biofilm. And occasionally, if they're big nodules, you have to excise them. You have to cut them out. That's a lot to think about. But I, mm-hmm. but I do want to reiterate to the people listening that these fillers are safe. Yes. And what we're talking about, as you said, is a rare, rare, rare occurrence. Correct. But something that 
you know, it's it's good to have the information, um, but that people have to kind of stop going on these websites. You know, I real self I think is great in many respects, and mm-hmm. I respect the people behind it. Um, but I also think that consumers, when they read that, it can be very scary, and mm-hmm. they're reading information, and they're not really getting always the truth, mm-hmm. and they're not really understanding who the person is that's writing it. So I don't think that should be um, taken as as gospel, and certainly it's not there to scare you. And if you go, as you said, to a board-certified plastic surgeon or dermatologist, fillers are great. (laughs) They are. Fillers are great. Fillers are um, great. Most important thing, again, is to gather information that's evidence-based and not just go by Internet because there's so much information out there and it's so much easier to go to to a specialist and who can help you you know, navigate through all the information and give you information that's evidence-based and real as opposed to hysterical. Right, and I think that's a really good point, evidence-based, real, and not hysterical because there's a lot of hysterical people mm-hmm. out there. Absolutely, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I want to thank you so much, fillers, Dr. Norikar. Yeah, it's not just for fillers. You're right. For anything, you know. So it's, I would it's say consider Botox. the source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, it's 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 for anything. Exciting time. I mean, it truly is an exciting time. It's I an amazing time because it is yeah, because we can truly sculpt the face. We can really, um, like I've said, we fillers can do so much. Obviously, they can replace volume, but they can even make an already beautiful person even more beautiful. So they've they're just we we haven't even scratched the surface with what fillers can do, and I'm. It's exciting to be a part of it, but realize that these are medical procedures and should be done in that setting, and they should be respected that way and not in a cavalier fashion. That's so true, and I'm I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's key, and that's mm-hmm. key to the safety, and um, yeah, that's really really important. So listeners can reach you at your website, right, which is bayarealaserdr.com. That is correct. Well, thank you again. I think this was really informative. And and, and again, I think it's just really important to reiterate that these fillers are safe. I, I don't want people to get scared by what we talked about. I just Great. think that it's important information. And thank you for listening. And remember, you only have one face and one body, so choose wisely. <laughs> And for more information, please visit my website at www.niptuckcoach.com or you can email me at info at niptuckcoach. If you've missed any episodes of Nip Tuck Talk, they're available for download on iTunes and also on blogtalkradio.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter on my website and stay in touch via Facebook and Twitter. And have a beautiful weekend and thank you again, Dr. Narakar. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Nip Tuck Coach Radio. Join us next week for another exciting program about the world of cosmetic surgery and beauty. To learn more about Michelle Garber, go to www.niptuckcoach.com. To consult with Michelle directly, call 415 494 7211.